This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing? Oh, pretty well. Uh, staying pretty busy. Lots of life happening right now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Things are good. How are you? You're you're winding down with school. Oh, I am done with school. You are done with Today school. Today was the last day with the kids. And so yeah. I have one more day tomorrow to get a couple things done around uh, the band hall and the office and all that kind of stuff. But then I am donezo and I'm out of there. Yeah. Happy summer. Yeah. Happy buying a new vehicle soon, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's in my near future, along with a road trip. So I've got okay. big plans. Yeah, big plans myself. Uh, I'm having a touch of jaw surgery a week from tomorrow, which is going to be so fun. I cannot wait. Um, the thrill of a lifetime. <laughs> and then I'm making a super quick trip home and then moving and then home again. And then the wedding is just this summer is going to be nuts. Uh, but we are going to have a good time doing it. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, we do want to go ahead and introduce a couple of things before we get to our main episode discussion. First off, we have some emails. Thank you to Noah, Corey, and Bryson for emailing us. Bryson asked a, us a question that I thought we could answer just real quick because it's an easy answer. He says, in the episode Goodbye, Michael, we can see at the end of the episode at the airport that Michael removes his microphone on his chest in the pool party that we just saw in season eight. Some of the male shirts are off. How are they making them louder? I would appreciate if you could talk about this quickly during your next episode. Also in Beach Games, there are some of them who have shirts removed. So uh, Bryson is one of our listeners who is, I believe he said 13 years old. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's 13 years old. So thank you for reaching out, Bryson. But the easy answer here is parabolic microphones, uh, which the camera people can hold from great distances, really. And it is designed to focus in on a specific sound from a ways away. So I, I think that's probably the answer you're looking for. There's also a chance of using boom mics, probably yeah. less so um, in, I don't know, from from a great height. If If the camera zooms out and you don't see a boom mic, then they're not using a boom mic. Probably a parabolic mic in that case. But yeah, in... Uh, in situations where the camera's zoomed in, you could use a boom mic, which is the one that goes over top. Yeah, so good question. Because um, we do see them wearing lapel mics for uh, parts of this season, or parts of the series, rather. We also had a podcast review uh, on, on Apple Podcast from Zombie Triss. So thank you so much. And a very, very nice Facebook post from Brittany. This was actually quite touching. She says, I live in Oklahoma, and I had a tornado hit my house around 12.20 on Sunday morning, so I've been a little bit busy. Yeah, I imagine you have been. So I can see there is a new podcast episode, and I can't wait to listen once I get everything taken care of. Truly a light at the end of my tunnel. Thank you, guys. Well, that's, uh, gosh, I mean, thank you, Brittany, and I hope everything's okay with your house and um, your family and friends. I hope everything is all right, but we're glad that we could be of any help, um, I, I feel like that's a, a huge compliment. So thank you so much. And I hope everything's okay. Yes, thank you. And we did have the latest episode released over the weekend. Uh, it should be said that now that I'm done with school, I have more time to edit and more time to prepare. And so what we are going to be planning on doing this summer is moving along pretty quickly. Uh, we don't know exactly how we're going to release episodes, but we're going to start doubling up here pretty soon so that Katie can prepare her wedding under no podcast stress. So <laughs> you can look forward to maybe getting 
episodes a little bit more frequently. So happy summer. Even if not, uh, we're going to try to record maybe doubling up every week, maybe doubling up most weeks. And even if we don't release multiple per week, have them queued up and ready to go so that there will be regular releasings. So thanks for your patience as uh, the end of the spring semester winds down and as life sort of happens on our ends. Thanks for your patience. Well, let's get into it. We are on the episode Jury Duty. It aired February 2nd of 2012, was directed by Eric Apple or Appel, I'm not sure. And it was written by Aaron Schur. Jim got called into jury duty the previous week, but was released the same day. Once he got home, however, he saw that Pam was overwhelmed with the kids and decided to take the whole week off to help. However, people become pretty upset when they find out. Meanwhile, Angela has had her baby a month early. Everyone's prepared to meet a tiny, premature baby, so they are shocked when they meet a healthy, large, and clearly not premature baby instead, which begs the question, why would Angela lie about the due date of her child? So starting off uh, is the obvious thing, which is that Jim was called in for jury duty, he was released early, and he did stay at home the rest of the week. Yeah, maybe not the right thing to do. Uh, but if he had been selected for the whole week, it really wouldn't have been any different of a workload for his coworkers. I mean, I, I see both sides of this. Uh, if if a wife needs help with a newborn who is only two months old, less than two months old, it's not necessarily right of Jim to have lied about what he was doing all week. But like I said, if he had been selected, the stress, the workload for his coworkers who were recovering from wouldn't have been any different. So... That's just the way it goes, I guess. Because he was there for apparently a week, it should have been a pretty juicy trial, right? And people want details, so Jim feels like he owes them details. They had to cover for him after all, and it was pretty inconvenient. So Jim feels obligated to tell a story, and he tells a rather dramatic story about a hit and run with a car. But Dwight grows suspicious of the story when Toby mentions this empanada place near the courthouse and... And Jim says, yeah, that was our favorite restaurant, too. But Toby specifies that it was a food truck. So Dwight notices this and grows suspicious and entraps Jim in his false story and makes a big, huge deal about it when Jim has this inconsistency. So he's caught him. They both realize that. And Dwight decides to get Andy involved. And Jim does pull Andy aside and say, hey, look, I screwed up. I did this thing. I stayed home. But before he did that, Dwight got Andy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, if Jim lied about this, he would absolutely be fired. But oops, Jim did lie about it. And Andy can't really fire Jim. He he values Jim and he's a he's one of the best workers in the office. So now Andy's in, in a pickle. I'm glad that Jim was so quickly honest with Andy. Yeah, maybe he should have been honest from the start. But when presented with this sticky situation with Dwight trying to enforce Andy's word about firing Jim, uh, his first instinct is, oh, well, I guess I need to tell Andy. I need to fess up. I need to admit that I wasn't where I said I was. Uh, unfortunately, Andy doesn't think that honesty with the rest of everybody else is going to be the best course of action. And so they start to cover it up. Both of them start to cover it up and it goes really poorly. Jim can't keep his story straight. There's the empanada food truck debacle. Uh, Andy makes up this story about dropping Jim off every morning. And it just is so crazy. It's so bonkers. Dwight is clearly seeing through things and everybody else is asking questions that they can't really get give every answer to logically. And so I'm glad, again, that Jim doesn't wait until he's absolutely backed into a corner 
to confess to everybody. So he does admit to everybody, sorry guys, this is what happens. This is where I was. I thought my family needs were more important than my work needs at the time. And I'm sorry that that inconvenienced you, but that's just what happened. Um, I hope you can forgive me. And uh, everybody is upset. Jim and Pam try to make it up to everybody by bringing in the kids. Like, ta-da, here's, here's our children. It's hard to be mad at children, right? Especially very, very young ones. And so they, uh, Cece has drawings that she is passing out. And Andy starts to get suspicious first, says there is crosshatching. In this, isn't that a very advanced technique? And so they they realize and they have to co- sort of confess. Yeah, Cece did not draw these. Pam or Jim or both of them drew these and were handing them out as sort of condolence prizes to everybody. I think it's a nice apologetic gesture, whether or not Cece drew them or not. The fact that she is there and is handing them out that seems nice to me. But I guess it does kind of come across as manipulation. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I get it. I I think this was Jim's way of saying, hey, look, I've got a family. They're real. They're here. I've got two kids who need me. Pam's overwhelmed. This is who I was with. But I guess to the office, it could have come across as manipulative, especially with the drawings, when that was clearly a lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially when Kelly rips up a drawing in front of Cece, who had Cece drawn it, might have had a meltdown right there. But <laughs> it meant nothing to her because that was not her drawing. So that's eh, it's a little manipulative, but I get where he's coming from. And he was trying to say, you know, look, this is this is who needed me. And then they sort of get it. So mm-hmm. Jim says, okay, we're gonna I'm gonna say bye to the kids. We're gonna we're gonna go put them in the car and uh and I'm gonna be right back and and continue my work day. But one kid starts having a meltdown and the other one starts having a meltdown and it's uh, quickly, you know, it's, it's, it's nap time <laughs> and everyone is throwing a, a fit and, and the kids are, are unhappy and Pam's unhappy and Jim's stressed and uh, it becomes very clear that he needs to be at home. He needs to be helping his family. Adding an additional kid is quite an adjustment and they need some time to adjust. And so the office says, you know what? go home they'll cover for him and they they agree to send him home for another day uh yeah it's sort of an unintended consequence of him bringing in the kids i think he was just trying to sort of sweeten everybody up like oh aren't they cute but it it really does show oh yeah we we sort of have our hands full (laughs) and so i i'm glad that everybody is so forgiving when they they see what the situation really is and that jim wasn't just taking a vacation it was it was hard work being at home with these two very very young children so that does end out well for him, though Dwight, I, I wanted to point out at first, you know, we had a conversation last episode in regard, er, er, yeah, in regards to a voicemail. Somebody said, Jim and Dwight are really getting along. They're kind of becoming friends, don't you think? And we said, yeah, sort of, kind of. <laughs> and now yeah. here in this episode, immediate turnaround, immediate rebuttal, Dwight is trying to actively get rid of Jim again. You know, we we thought that they were sort of past the point of being straight up enemies. Maybe they weren't friends, but they weren't enemies anymore. The the diabolical plot by Dwight was gone. But apparently we were wrong about that. Dwight seizes this opportunity to try and get Jim fired. And you know, we don't I don't think we I don't think we need to talk about how intensely he tries to get rid of Jim, but it basically leads him to the hospital. Uh, where Angela has had her baby because he wants to talk to Jim and 
report Jim's lying and Andy's cover up and refusal to hold true to his word at firing Jim. And Gabe is visiting Angela at the time. So that's the place he goes. It's really interesting to me that Dwight is so lacking in interest in Angela's baby at first, you know, because he he really just assumes that it's Robert's kid. So I I have no interest in it. I don't care. I'm not here to see Angela. I don't need to go in there. Uh, This is none of my business. But that that changes. Yeah, any notion that he was still interested in Angela, I think is they're not the window at this point because he has no interest in seeing her, seeing the kid, whatever. He's just there for Gabe. Who happens to be seeing Angela. Once Dwight sees the baby, he is convinced that the baby is a shrewd. He has no doubt in his mind, especially when Oscar tells him that the baby is not actually premature. The baby uh, was conceived a month before the wedding. And Dwight's extremely interested in this because he and Angela were together one month before her wedding. So either Angela slept with her husband before the wedding, or she slept with Dwight, which she also did before the wedding. So it's one of these two men's kid, and it's very possibly Dwight's, and he is convinced. And the size of the baby, as I said earlier, uh, indicates that as well. He's not a premature baby. He is full grown, and Dwight's convinced. Yeah, at this point, we really don't have too much reason to believe that Dwight is 100% correct. Uh, Angela does make a point. She says, you have a head that looks a bit like a baby's. (laughs) But it does introduce doubt, especially seeing how Robert behaves around Angela, specifically when she is ready to feed baby Philip. He's a newborn and she's a mother, so she's going to breastfeed him. And he's like, nope, don't want to be in here for that. Nope, gross. Sorry, not interested. So that's interesting. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't think that's a typical father reaction. Especially since he supposedly impregnated her. Right. I <laughs> He's mean, seen it. <laughs> yeah, there's, it, it gets a little bit more graphic than just seeing a breast, uh, right. in theory. Anyways, it, it introduces doubt, and this potential of Dwight being a father uh, makes the issue with Jim fade away. In fact, he's really, really excited. He shows back up at the office smoking a cigar, and Andy's like, you can't smoke that in here. Uh, although I don't know if... Andy technically has the authority there. You know, it's, it is Dwight's building. Hmm. Uh, true. That's a good point. But I guess Dunder Mifflin rents the space and Andy's the regional manager. So it's, 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 it's strange. Unit. It's yeah. strange. <laughs> but uh, Dwight is excited nonetheless. He even puts one of those stick figure stickers <laughs> of a man and a child on his car. Yeah. <laughs> one of those you'll see like a mom and dad and five kids and a cat, you know. Or something. It's just a man and a kid on his car, though, and he's he's very proud. I had just a couple more small things to mention as far as character growth goes. Angela, obviously, we've already said it. The baby is not premature, so yeah, she conceived the baby out of wedlock, and that goes back to a quote that she gave to Pam back in like season six. Did you know a baby conceived out of marriage is still a bastard? Well, did you know that, Angela? <laughs> did you? Yeah, it's like. Uh, the 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 way she is such a hypocrite about so many things is just really highlighted, especially in this moment. It uh, came full circle. And very possibly, uh, she said that to Pam, who did conceive Cece before the wedding, but it was with her husband. Mm-hmm. And there is a real possibility that she conceived her baby Philip, Angela's baby Philip, with a man who's not her husband. So uh, double trouble. <laughs> Double Jeopardy. Yeah. 
That's how that works, right? Uh, and I, the last thing is, uh, in regards to Robert Lipton, not California, Oscar is still as convinced as ever that Robert is gay. Uh, he says, this baby is clearly not premature. They're lying about the date it was conceived. It's very interesting. And her husband's gay. I don't even know what thread to follow. <laughs> um, and Robert has the, I mean, it's stereotypical, but because it's a TV show, it's telling. Robert says about the outfit that Oscar bought Philip. Well, if it's anything like that gorgeous wrapping paper, you hit it out of the park. Like it's so complimentary and gorgeous is just like a weird terminology uh, nothing wrong with it, but it, it does sort of lead credence if you follow stereotypical verbiage and attitude that there's still some credence, I think, to Oscar's theory. And his aversion to seeing Angela with her top down at all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, not at all interested. So, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds likely at this point. Moving on to funny moments. I forgot that this cold open even existed. <laughs> yeah, I've got to be honest. I started the episode like, wait, what is happening? It's a weird side of Andy, and it's not very professional. So he is—he's entered into the warehouse and is getting everybody to clear out. Like, stop your business, stop being productive, everybody. I have to do my unproductive thing, even though I'm the boss. And so everybody leaves, and he turns on Footloose by Kenny Loggins, and then proceeds to like Michaelize. <laughs> The warehouse. And I use that that verbiage specifically because that's something Michael has done in the past is just like throw bubble wrap everywhere and packing pellets everywhere. And it it's really ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of fun, but it's just like, really, Andy? Really? You're the boss now. <laughs> yeah, he's dancing and, and sweating and just trashing the place. He blows shredded paper all over the room. And um He's talking about just kind of cutting loose and, 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 and de-stressing. And then it cuts to him after all that. And he says, you know, sex also works, which <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's his way of, of saying that he's not having sex at this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, so he has so. to uh, he has to dance it out. <laughs> Kevin, his first question about Angela's baby, uh, Aaron announces that Angela's had the baby. And the first thing Kevin says is, is it black? Because that would be hilarious. And Daryl pops his head out. <laughs> Why? Why would it be funny? Kevin says, well, you know. <laughs> Does he? Daryl says, well, <laughs> would it be more hilarious than Angela having a Chinese baby? And Kevin weighs that. He says, uh, a little bit, right, guys? Back me up. And <laughs> Ryan says, yeah, actually, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Kevin has lots of small, or a few small funny moments in this one another one is when aaron says we should all go to the hospital and visit her and phyllis says oh i'd love to but uh and jim says oh man i would but i can't miss any more work oscar speaks up and says well kevin and i have to go accounting is its own little family kevin speaks up and he says yeah oscar's the dad i'm oscar's dad and angela's my mom <laughs> like <laughs> if somebody told me accounting was a family that is not how i would have lined things up but that's the way kevin sees things three generations <laughs> In fact, I think we've had that discussion before on this show where Oscar and Angela are very much the parents and Kevin is the child. But like right. I said, Kevin does not see it that way. Which I guess would make Angela's kid Kevin's brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> Gabe displays his love of maternity words. He wants to go see Angela and the baby ASAP. He says, I love maternity words. It's the perfect blend of love and horror. Things can go so wrong or so right. Ugh. Um, yikes. Yeah, that's a, that's a no for me, dog. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Dwight, when he's dissecting Jim's use of the word restaurant in describing a food truck, he says, I was in Los Angeles last year. Jim tricked me into thinking I'd want to walk on part on NCIS, but that's not important. <laughs> and then he moves I on. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> and that is very important. That, that's quite a story that I wish we had witnessed to. Also a Dwight quote. He says, oh, yes, what a beautiful child. Prominent forehead, short arms, tiny nose. You will lead millions, willingly or as slaves. <laughs> uh, is that a shrewd capability? And does Dwight think he is doing that? And is that why he's trying to be general manager or uh, regional manager? I mean, because he wants to lead people. I mean, I guess so. He feels like that's part of the shrewd rite of passage or something. So he wants he wants to lead people willingly or as slaves. <laughs> And he follows that up with a talking head. He says, that baby is a shrewd. And unless somebody taught Moe's sex, that baby is mine. <laughs> <laughs> the phrasing is just too, is just too good. Unless somebody taught Moe's sex. And then uh, him and Angela have a back and forth as well. He says, Angela's child is definitely mine. He looks just like me. And the quote I referenced earlier, Angela says, every baby looks just like you. Your face kind of looks like a baby. He says, need I remind you that we were together a month before the wedding? That is completely untrue. Completely true. Remember, Angela? No. You said that Robert was not fulfilling you. Angela says, I did not. Uh Uh-uh. Dwight says, and I said, I bet I could fulfill you. And you said, I'd like to see you try. And then I kissed you with the force of a thousand waterfalls. (laughs) (laughs) And Angela says, that didn't happen. And Dwight continues unneedingly. And then I inserted my penis. (laughs) She says, no, stop it. He says, into your (laughs) Dwight. vagina and and she says and even if it did it's just a coincidence it's just such a ridiculous back and forth yes this is how sex works dwight thank you he took the class apparently most did not (laughs) (laughs) most wasn't taught when they are discussing the size and the weight of angela's baby who is full grown nine months in the womb uh kevin says philip is so fat oscar says kevin you can't say that Kevin says, well, you warned me not to say anything if it was tiny, Oscar, but you didn't prepare me for a big, giant, fat baby. (laughs) Angela's offended, and Senator Lipton says, yes, he's substantial. Aaron says, he's more than substantial. He's a monster. (laughs) And the camera just zooms in on this adorable, chunky baby. Like, it's totally, it's a normal baby. It's just big. (laughs) I love before they enter the room, too, when Oscar's like, guys, I don't know how many of you have seen... Uh, I don't know how many of you have seen a premature baby before. It's going to be really tiny, so please don't say anything offensive. And Kevin turns to Aaron, says, got that bimbo? <laughs> and Aaron <laughs> responds with a smile, got it, bimbo. <laughs> it's like, it's a completely different direction than you'd expect once Aaron responds as well. They both call each other bimbo affectionately. Oscar, who was so concerned with decorum and manners and, and, and protecting Angela's feelings about her tiny baby, then says, after seeing the baby, the only premature baby in the room is the baby that this baby ate. (laughs) (laughs) So decorum went out the window, apparently. Dwight, when he reveals that Jim has been lying, he says, I am making a citizen's arrest. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to beg for mercy. You have the right to request judgment by combat. Dwight's rights. (laughs) and andy enters he says what's up gangsters so i says jim was lying about jury duty he was lying the whole time so he could go do yoga or go canoeing i don't know what this pervert likes fire him (laughs) pervert Mm. loose definition (laughs) loose definition 
Angela finally admits to it. She says, yes, I, I did conceive my baby before the wedding. She says, well, the senator and I had just seen Thor. So that's excuse number one. Mm-hmm. And there was way too much wine in my chicken piccata. <laughs> Don't think that's enough to uh, get you drunk to have a baby before your wedding. But, you know, uh, she's trying to make excuses. And apparently Thor was just too sexy and she mm. couldn't, <laughs> couldn't mm-hmm. hold it together. And uh, Oscar corrects her, chicken marsala. Marsala, yes. <laughs> She's like, right, um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley, talking to Jim, says, yeah, you owe us. I had to stay until six twice to cover for you. My wife got to the TV first, had to sit through damn Rizzoli and damn Isles. <laughs> I just love the <laughs> emphasis there. Damn this and damn that. <laughs> when Pam walks in with the kids to sort of save Jim, Creed says, oh, look, Angela's back with her baby. Well, first, it's Pam. And second, Angela just had her baby, like, hours ago. <laughs> right. She, she is not back. And that is not Angela. I'm going to steal this one before you can, because it's Nate. <laughs> and <laughs> Nate translating Spanish, is it, it's delightful. It's adorable. It's everything that Nate always is. Uh, he says, um, I'm going to say I when I'm talking for Ernesto. <laughs> so instead of he says blah, 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 I'm going to say I say blah, blah, blah. But, but that's for him. Anyway, it was something like, he remembers Toby. And he makes a face like, oh no, I remember Toby. <laughs> <laughs> and then short, shortly thereafter, he says, uh, he doesn't want any trouble. He sees lots of people. They come from all around to eat his delicious meat pockets. <laughs> he even translates empanadas, <laughs> which is so perfect. Which probably doesn't have a direct translation. So he's just describing empanadas right. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> delicious meat pockets. Delicious meat pockets. <laughs> Speaking of Ernesto and the delicious meat pocket, he he brings some for for the office, or Dwight, I guess, brings Ernesto in, and and he he brings empanadas for the office. Phyllis is disgusted though, and Phyllis is the kind of person I guess who would not be super interested in in anything outside of her normal dining habits because she is kind of disgusted by these empanadas. She says, "I'm sorry, do you have any American Mexican food?" <laughs> Not, I mean, t- nachos, I guess. <laughs> yeah. My last one, I just, it's so funny how Toby all of a sudden feels super relevant again, because now that Jim is back from jury duty, Toby can talk about his time on J-Duty with the Scranton <laughs> Strangler case. He, he talks about how they recreated the Stranglings with the empanadas. Uh, and when Ernesto shows up with the empanadas, they, they make the international sign for choking at each other, like Strangling themselves like oh ho ho remember the time it, it, it's just funny <laughs> an odd friendship there yeah some deleted scenes for this episode andy is getting out of his car in the morning and spills a cup of coffee on his pants when he gets upstairs he's pouring milk into his new coffee that he pours in the office and the milk has gone bad and is almost completely solid when he goes to pour a fresh cup of coffee there's none left so he pulls the bag of coffee grounds from the freezer but someone put it away empty He's just fat and zero here. He walks back to his desk and Aaron tells him that corporate is faxing him 200 pages worth of forms to fill out. And Andy's had it. It's too much. That leads to the cold open for his uh, de-stress dance. So he's just had a really crap morning. (laughs) Yeah, he says, there are so many things that happen throughout the day that really get you down. How do I deal with getting down? I get down. Yeah. Specifically (laughs) down to the warehouse where I really get down to business. What business? 
the business of getting down. Like, oh my goodness, Andy, stop it. <laughs> it's too much. Just go dance. <laughs> Uh, Dwight has a talking head. He says, I have a recurring nightmare that I've been wrongly accused of a crime, and 12 of these idiots, referring to the rest of the office, are on the jury. Stanley is fast asleep. Kevin eats the evidence. Phyllis's name is Allison, but it really is Phyllis. Jim is foreman of the jury and pronounces me guilty. The cop takes me away, tells me that I've been a bad boy, and we have sex in the hall. She leaves the handcuffs on. They take me away to prison. The guards are all women. And it's like this has devolved into a porn fantasy or something for a second. And then he all of a sudden remembers, oh, this is supposed to be about a nightmare. And so he like shudders like, oh, so terrible. (laughs) Angela asks Gabe what he brought to the hospital as a gift. And Oscar brought a onesie. Kevin brought Call of Duty for some reason. And (laughs) Gabe doesn't have a gift. He says, well, this is so last minute and that's not his fault. Okay. (laughs) That's (laughs) sort of an odd deleted scene. (laughs) Yeah, he he says, let me go check my trunk. Maybe yeah. I have a, a, a onesie or something. <laughs> yeah. In his, I mean, honestly, of all the people, I guess Gabe would, because he's creepy. I mean, truly. The last <laughs> season eight, he's gotten so creepy. Yeah. Between the, the uh, Halloween party and, and loving maternity wards for the, for the horror of it. Mm-mm. Odd dude. <laughs> uh, this one is a little lengthy, but shouldn't take too long to talk through. Uh, Jim starts off with a talking head in the break room. He's at the vending machines. He says, I would love for everyone to just forgive me, but if that's not happening, I'm not adverse to just buying them all off. And so he buys a lot of black licorice and he announces to the office that the reason why is because they all love the red licorice, but the black licorice is usually in the front. So this was his gift to him or gift to them. Um, I added in my notes, a better gift would have just been to buy them the red licorice, but whatever. Right. Uh, Phyllis says, oh, money bags must be nice. <clears throat> and Andy immediately says after, so you effectively spent, what, $4 on the entire office? Jim says, well, you know, what am I? What are you trying to say? Am I cheap or am I rich? <laughs> and he says, you're nothing. When I think <laughs> about all the gas money I spent on you, washing my car to make sure you looked good. Uh, geez, Andy, calm down. <laughs> and so Jim starts throwing the black licorice away into the trash can because nobody likes it, including him. And Daryl says, what, you're going to throw away perfectly good food? Jim's like, well, it, it's candy. Can you really call it food? And uh, Creed says, I'm really hating this Jim guy. <laughs> and so Jim says, okay, I'll take it out of the trash. And then Stanley speaks up. He says, I know what you can do, Jim. Take those black licorice, then go get some of those red licorice. Take them in your hand, roll them up real tight. And Jim interrupts and says, and shove it up my butt. Stanley gets pissed. He says, damn it, Jim, you stole my afternoons. Now you stole my line. It's not shoving up your butt. It's I'll kill you. I'll kill you dead. (laughs) It's scary for a second. And everybody's just silent, but nobody like cringes or reels back. It's like, yeah, we're on his side. And so Daryl says, Jim, eat the black licorice. Jim says, I'm not going to eat it. Daryl repeats it. Jim says, "I'm, I'm not going to eat it. And Stanley shouts across the room. Eat it. So Jim opens it up and he takes the bite. And it's just like Stanley's gotten real scary all of a sudden. Yeah. He uh, has that capability. We've seen him really yell, what, two or three times Mm -hmm. at Ryan and at Michael. And that's probably it. (laughs) And here now at Jim. Yeah. We see Jim on a call to Pam. He's riding a stationary bike. He says, they hate me, Pam. Uh, she assures him that they don't, and Jim disagrees. Uh, Daryl apparently canceled go-karting on him. I mean, 
Daryl must must be pissed at him, which is apparently something that they do at lunch now as they go go-karting. He says, I feel like a stranger in my own country. Pam <laughs> says, okay, drama. <laughs> First world problems. Andy, the last deleted scene, he brings in a cop who supposedly works at the courthouse to corroborate his story that he drove Jim to the courthouse every morning, just like he said. Daryl says, we don't care. Aaron points out, though, that this isn't a cop. It's an actor. He was in Sweeney Todd with you last year, Andy. Andy denies it. And Daryl says, oh, so if I started singing Down by the Old Mill Stream, you couldn't join me in three-part harmony? And they don't have an answer. They're clearly nervous about this. So Daryl starts singing it. And they join in because they just can't resist. And at the end, after they've finished singing the tag... Andy is super psyched and he's just like giddy that they, they sang this together. And then he realizes, oh, this just revealed to everybody that I lied. Shoot. <laughs> and so that's it. Because they couldn't possibly not join in. Yeah. It's, it's too to. great a temptation. <laughs> Moving on to our next episode, Special Project. It aired February 9th, 2012, directed by David Rogers, written by Amelie Gillette. As promised back in Trivia, Robert has found a job that is right for Dwight, assigning him to be in charge of a small team to go to Tallahassee with corporate to develop and launch a chain of Sabre stores. Dwight now has to figure out who he wants to take, and Andy has to figure out who he can afford for Dwight to take for three weeks. Meanwhile, Jim tries to deflect an invitation from Robert, and Daryl tries to decipher whether Val has feelings for him or not. Dwight is uh, feeling pretty good about himself at the top of this episode. He goes in this monologue about how he is in Perfektenschlag right now, which is a great Dwight monologue. A talking head, he says, The, the Schroots have a word for when everything comes together in a man's life perfectly. Perfektenschlag. Right now, I am in it. I get the chance to prove myself to corporate. I'm assembling a competent team. I am likely a father. I am so deep inside of Perfektenschlag right now. And he, you just see him... He's just glowing. He's just so happy. Uh, he's, he's finally moving up the corporate chain, so he, he considers. And uh, yeah, he's, he's excited about this project, for sure. And he does not mean the other definition of perfect in schlag, <laughs> which is perfect pork anus. So just to be clear on that right at the start. In case you were concerned about that, <laughs> yes, he did mean the other. I mean, it's great for him. His two greatest personal failures in the course of the show so far have been one, losing Angela. And two, not being hired as manager. So this sort of makes up for both of those. One, he's a father. And two, he's got another promotion. And he sees himself as an equal to Andy now. Unfortunately, he comes up with a list that basically would strip Dunder Mifflin Scranton of its best workers for three full weeks, leaving the company crippled. And so Andy's like, hold on now. We can't let that happen. And so Andy comes up with an alternate list. Dwight doesn't like it. It doesn't go the way he wants. And so he takes it to the rest of the office and sort of snitches on Andy. Here are the people that Andy has deemed worthy of going to Florida. And naturally, everybody riots. Everybody hates it. I deserve to go to Florida. I deserve to go to Florida. We deserve to go to Florida. You don't. And so it turns into an interview process. And uh, everybody gets to pitch themselves to go to Florida or not. And... Uh, Two or three of the people Dwight initially picked get to go, but the rest is curated by Andy. Ryan believes that he knows the, the trends of youths, so he should go. Youths. Youths. <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Watch the show. Um, oh, my <laughs> new, gosh. New girl. <laughs> new girl. Thank you. Great new girl reference. <laughs> youths. <laughs> Kevin, 
thinks that he should go because his gambling problem has finally come under control and he can bear to be in a dog racing environment again. And Toby wants to go because he has seasonal affective disorder, so he needs some sunshine. But Andy decides eventually on Kathy, Stanley, Ryan, Aaron, and Jim. These are essentially all the people that Dwight didn't want coming, and now he's stuck with this team that he really, really doesn't want. So Dwight sets up a little Florida in the conference room, a hot, humid room filled with mosquitoes. How did Dwight get mosquitoes in February in Pennsylvania? I don't know, but he did. He's at first immediately just disgusted by this group. No good. Not one of them. And uh, they break, and when they reconvene, the group is attentive, and they're listening, they're responding with good ideas, and they're excited about the project. And it's at this time that Dwight sees their potential and and really feels the power to lead them. And he uh, admits that. He says, I've been given the responsibility to manage Stanley, a solid player, Ryan, who is capable of surprises, Aaron, an excellent follower, and Kathy, a probably not totally useless enigma, and, well, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have a, a, a qualifier for Jim. He says, under the right manager, that's not a bad team. Perfect inchlog. So he's not letting even this get him down. He's in a good spot. It's good on the the team that has been assembled to be attentive to Dwight and to even Jim says, what are your expectations for us? And he's completely serious about it. He's not trying to pull a fast one on him or anything like that. And so for Dwight to have everybody sort of at his command and to respect him and his input on what what he wants from them it really is a, a booster for him and it does show that yeah even with this team it sort of goes back to what we talked about at the end of trivia our, our little boy meets world lesson <laughs> is that good things can come from the people you don't expect and so even though dwight was not excited about this team it looks like it's going to work out for him now jim as part of dwight being promoted to head the special project team uh robert california has texted jim to make sure, hey, make sure you bring your clubs with you to Florida. So he expects Jim to be there. Dwight had no intentions of taking Jim with him. Andy had no intentions of letting Dwight or letting Jim go with him. And last but not least, Jim had no intentions of wanting to go. <laughs> like he was, he's happy being at home, uh, tending to his two-month-old son and being with his wife and helping care for the kids. So him and Pam set out to write or to compose the perfect texts to Robert to deflect the invite uh, in favor of him not going and postponing golfing until some other time in Scranton. It's so funny hearing the two of them analyze everything from the number of question marks to what points you emphasize over others, whether it's a golf text or whatever else. It's just that there's so much thought that goes into writing a text message. And I mean, I guess that's true to life. There, there are some texts that I'm like, okay, how do I need to word this to get exactly what I want or to have the impact that I want? Right. But they finally come to the conclusion, Pam and Jim, that maybe he should just suck it up and go to Florida. He's expected there. Robert really is intent on him being there. And as we know of Robert, he gets what he wants and really doesn't take any other option. So Jim decides, okay, I'll go. So he sort of volunteers himself for the position. And Dwight says, no, 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 no. I, I don't want him. And Andy says, yeah, you're, you're too needed here in the office. And Dwight challenges that. No, no, he's not needed. 
because of course he he can't let that compliment slide by. And Jim says, well, you said I'm not needed. Maybe I should go to Florida. Uh, in fact, Robert wants me there. So he's put on the trip and uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Now there's another plot bit with Jim that he doesn't know about. I'm going to start this off with boo, Kathy. <laughs> boo, Kathy. Boo, bad. As they're leaving at the end of the episode, Kathy is on the phone with somebody and she's she's talking about the trip to Florida. She's going. She said all expenses paid. Yeah, Jim's going to be there. Their marriage is not good. Nobody knows better than me. Definitely we will. It's three weeks in Tallahassee. What else is there to do? Don't like how that sounds, Kathy. Mm, yeah, bad taste in my mouth. Don't, <laughs> don't like where that's going. Yeah, we, we've, we hinted at the end of Pool Party that maybe she has some feelings towards Jim, and this seems to all but confirm that. And so we're going to have to keep an eye on her, make sure that uh, she's not stepping beyond her boundaries, be her chaperones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here, many years right. later. <laughs> and in a fictional world. <laughs> uh, the other <laughs> major storyline is uh, with Daryl. It is Valentine's Day, if we hadn't mentioned that already. And Val knit Daryl a beanie. And he's like, I don't know if it's a we're just friends beanie or a I'm hot, you're hot, let's get poppin' beanie. So he's going to up the ante. He's going to give her a clearly romantic gift to see where they stand, to see what her reaction to that is going to be. So he goes down to the warehouse to give it to her, and everybody there has a beanie on. So uh, odds do not look in your favor, Daryl. And he realizes that, so he's like, oh, well, this, this isn't for you. This is for my, my man Nate here. And so he gives Nate the gift, and it turns out to be like cashmere <laughs> gloves, like very elegant, very clearly not intended for a man necessarily. I mean, Nate loves it, but that's not who it was intended for. And he says, Val, you'll get your gift later. So Daryl goes back up to the office. He gets a phone call from somebody, and they're asking for the warehouse address so that they can send... Uh, or so that he can send his girlfriend in the warehouse some flowers. And Daryl, his face drops. He says, oh, girlfriend? Uh, is your girlfriend Val? Yes, it is. And this is her boyfriend, Brandon, calling. And later in the episode, uh, he visits the warehouse again, and he compliments the flowers. And Val says, thank you. They're from my mom. Hmm. That's not what Daryl heard from the person who asked for the address for the flowers. Uh, so he sort of playfully confronts her about it. He says, your mom's name is Brandon? Whatever. And she just sort of laughs about it. She says, yes, Daryl, my mom's name is Brandon. Like, there's no fessing up to anything. It's just playing along again. Yes, my mom's name is Brandon, and that's all you need to know about anything right now. And so Daryl just assumes this means that the beanie is indeed a love beanie. So we'll sort of have to just wait and see what happens because, I mean, we don't have confirmation of anything except that Valve does apparently have a boyfriend. And so we'll have to see how Daryl progresses, what happens between Val and her boyfriend, if anything. And yeah, there's that. One last character I wanted to talk about was Aaron. She still has, I just put emotions <laughs> over Andy. <laughs> uh, she doesn't know what they are, it seems. She seems both angry at him and in love with him and annoyed and just all the feelings. So at the beginning when she and Andy are wearing the same heart pin and Andy says it was a gag gift from Jessica, well, Aaron wasn't wearing hers ironically, but Andy kind of was and that kind of made her annoyed. Oh yeah, when I saw it in CVS, it made me gag too. And then she throws the pin away. And when she hears about Florida, she's interested. 
she comes into the office and asks if there's another spot available. And if there is, she would like to be considered. She is chosen to go on the team. And she has a very brief talking head, which is extremely serious. Not at all a, a small moment for her. She says, I'm going to Florida and I'm not coming back. She really, I mean, we can only assume that this is about Andy. And she is, she's serious. It seems like she does not want to come back. Uh, it's really sad. Like, I, I really feel for Erin because, I mean, we, we've seen her and Andy sort of go at it back and forth for so long now. Um, but now with Andy being so happy with Jessica and so serious about Jessica, she does sort of a more extreme version of what Jim did back in season two with Pam. Although with Jim, there was more buildup. You know, he talked about needing to go on a trip over uh, or during the wedding. So he was just initially going to miss the wedding. But then that turned into yeah, I got to leave uh, once Pam like actually rejected him at casino night. <clears throat> and so she's doing the same thing here, except it's more impulsive and it's more extreme. She's just not, she's not just hopping over a state line. She's like going from Northeast United States to Southeast United States. And I mean, that that's far and that's sudden. And she's not telling anybody about it. It's just like, yeah, I'll go and I'm going to do my part, but then I'm, I'm not coming back. So I, I just hate that this sucks so much for her. Let's move on to some funny moments. The cold open for this episode, Pam is back from maternity leave, and so is Angela, even though Angela had her baby a full two months after Pam had hers. Angela says, hi, I'm back, little old me. Everyone's shocked to see her. As I said, Pam was away for eight weeks. Angela just had her baby four days ago. She's also tiny again already somehow and has baked brownies and magic cookie bars and knowing that Kevin's allergic to walnuts has a special batch with no nuts just for him and uh, it just seems really unfair <laughs> she's completely fine she's bounced back and baby who I mean she's just completely back to her old self meanwhile Pam is exhausted and not back to her pre-baby weight and just worn down and Pam feels guilty because she hasn't had time to bake baked goods for the whole office. She feels bad about herself and she says, oh, you guys, you know what's even more useful than treats is cash. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, Jim stops her. And uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's just about ready to empty out her wallet because she feels badly. When Daryl first goes down to the warehouse, Val says, you're wearing the beanie, you like it? And Daryl says, uh, super comfortable, like sweatpants for my head. And Nate steps in, says, I love it too, Val. It's, it's really itchy. Uh, but to be fair, my head is constantly itching, so I can't really peg it on the hat. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Daryl gives Nate the gloves. At first, he doesn't open it. He says, can I open it? And Daryl said, no, no, I, you, you don't need to open this right here in front of Val, especially. He says, oh, I can't wait. I'm sorry. I, I get too excited. <laughs> he opens it. And he's like, Daryl. <laughs> that's a really good name <laughs> thank you <laughs> my favorite part he goes how'd you know <laughs> like no what no what like what what was he supposed to have known <laughs> that, that you needed some elegant cashmere gloves like is that it really what you were hoping for <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> and then nate reads the card it says i'm glad you're in my life happy valentine's day he goes oh daryl i am glad to be in your life too <laughs> Oh, your card is more beautiful than the gloves. <laughs> and he is just on the verge of tears and he's rubbing the gloves on his face. He is enamored. He just, he's so pure. He loves Daryl so much. And it's just, 
We all need a Nate. <laughs> Daryl. Daryl. Wow. <laughs> Dwight, when Andy tells him that he's getting a promotion, although I actually wanted to ask you before I do this, do you consider this a promotion? I don't know that I do. He's in charge of a project, but I don't think it will be a long-term situation. And I don't think, I mean, it's, it's, as of right now, it's just assembling a team to take to Florida and to go to Florida, right? So right. is it a promotion? Based on context in this episode, I would say no. Like right. what, what we know so far, no, it is not a promotion. Right. Uh, slight spoiler, though, it, it's the next episode, so we, it does not, it's not too big a worry. <clears throat> uh, it does have the chance of promotion. Right. But so. he's taking it as like, I don't know, like he's equal with Andy, as you said earlier, which I do not think he is at this point. No, but. not not even remotely. And right. I mean, An- Andy's the one who first calls it a promotion, and he's wrong about that. It's not what it is. Right. No pay raise, I'm sure. But right. anyway, when Andy tells Dwight that he got a promotion, <laughs> Dwight says, if you make me head of sales one more time, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly uh, as high as he can get in the sales position at Dunder Mifflin's Grand. As I mentioned before, I love all the text message deciphering. Jim says two question marks uh, in response to Robert's initial text. Pam says, no, just do one. Two question marks is kind of aggressive. You know, it's like, well, what? Just do one. And Jim just makes a face like, oh, okay, whatever. I'll make it one. Fine. (laughs) It's gotten corny. (laughs) And so then he's reading out the text that he's written at first. He says, got your text. Awesome idea. Let's hit the links next time you're in PA. Dash JH. Pam says, it's perfect. You emphasize the golf, completely omit the Florida. Jim says, yeah, it's a golf text. Pam says, total golf text. Send it. Like, yeah, knuckle, knuckle <laughs> touch. <laughs> and so then the last one is, okay, read it back to me. Jim says, Robert, great offer. Wish I could hit the links with you in Florida, but a father of a newborn really should be helping out his wife any chance he gets. I think that one's a bit heavy handed, but that's just I me. think so too. Uh, it's a little like- The father of a newborn. It's preachy. It's preachy. It's like, I should really be home, Robert. You should know this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But whatever. Uh, Pam says, good. Doesn't sound pushy. You're just stating a fact. Aaron says, no, not Aaron. What? (laughs) Yeah, it is Aaron. Aaron says, absolutely. Works for me. (laughs) Jim says, okay, sending. (laughs) Pam says, well done. And we managed to kill the entire morning. Jim says, really did. And he immediately gets a text back. Don't you love when that happens? When you spend so much time and effort (laughs) writing a text and then like two seconds later, they send back LOL. (laughs) And uh, after Jim reads that out, he says he responded LOL. Aaron, who has clearly butted herself into this conversation, LOLs. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) She follows instructions. (laughs) And she's just like, ah, ah, And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. LOL. Ah, 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 ah." It's just really strange. And she's motioning everyone else like, no, he said to LOL, you should be doing this. I'm doing this. You should do this. It's an order from our CEO. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Also, Aaron, uh, but kind of Dwight. Andy is surprised that Aaron wants to go to Tallahassee and, and, and asks her about it. And Aaron says, I do. I really do. I think it'd be a nice way to clear my head. Dwight says, you know, I don't think it's a good idea for you to clear your head any more than it already has been. <laughs> uh, I mean, fair. <laughs> yeah. One last thing about the texts. Uh, Kelly is stand by, standing by uh, when they're preparing the, the total golf text. Send it. Jim says, wait. I just feel weird. I should just call him. And Kelly says, you want to call someone that texted you? Do you want to drive them away? I mean, ugh. 
<laughs> She's been conditioned. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, Kelly. I mean, calm down. <laughs> I wanted to give some more reasons that were given for people wanting to go to Florida. So I mentioned a little bit that Ryan thinks that he is uh, a youthful guy who knows youthful trends. But what I didn't mention is that he said that there are two people who know the youthful trends. One is him and one is Kelly Kapoor. And they need one of them there, but not both. One, just one. Ideally, Ryan, but if not Ryan, then Kelly. But again, not both. <laughs> and not neither, <laughs> but not both. <laughs> right. <laughs> when Dwight is conspiring against Andy and he's trying to get the office to turn against him, Dwight says, it seemed kind of random to me, but he was pretty clear on who he thought truly deserved this boondoggle of a lifetime. Kevin says, well, he nailed it because I do deserve a vacation. Sometimes Batman's got to take off his cape. <laughs> I guess Kevin considers mediocre accounting to be on the same level as <laughs> saving Gotham City. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Batman's got to take off his cape. We also meet Florida Stanley in this episode, mm. which we will get a little bit more of. <laughs> Stanley introduces Andy and Dwight to Florida Stanley. Florida Stanley smiles. Florida Stanley is happy to go to work. Florida Stanley is who you want on your Florida team. He is dressed in pink and white and wears a hat, and he is... Uh, He's a different guy, Florida Stanley. Yeah, very clearly. Angela says, it's obvious Andy picked the people that are least important to the office. Kelly says, important? Oh, because you and your enormous monster baby are so important to the branch. Angela says, my baby is not a monster. Dwight speaks up and says, hey, be proud of your enormous monster baby. I was once an enormous monster baby. <laughs> there was actually one I missed from the cold open. I mentioned that Kevin is allergic to walnuts, but Pam alerts him. She says, hey, you're allergic to walnuts, right, Kevin? Those have walnuts in them. Kevin says, extremely, but I'm going to fight through it. <laughs> like He's just going to have an anaphylactic reaction for a brownie. <laughs> I mean, that's commitment, I guess. When Dwight is trying to scare off the people that he doesn't want going with him, he has prepared this presentation in the conference room. He has some pictures on the wall. Uh, some of the ones that I was able to write down were a picture of Casey Anthony. Uh, you can look at that court trial if you don't know who that is. Uh, he also wrote down hurricanes, alligators, Catherine Harris. I, I will confess to not knowing who that is, and I didn't look it up. And cockroaches. And then later, he has written down facts about Florida, things to be aware of. Scarfaces, theme parks, sinkholes, heat strokes. Brooke Hogan, morbidly obese people, and it is the geriatric capital of the world. So those are things to be aware of when it comes to being or spending time in Florida. Most of them seem like warnings, except for amusement parks or theme parks. I'm cool with that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is Nate, of course. Being Nate has to give something back to Daryl in, in uh, response to the lovely gloves. He says, yeah, you know, I, I felt really terrible that you got me these lovely gloves and I didn't get you anything. Gerald says, it's cool, really. And he says, no, it's anything but cool. Now, I haven't really had time to go out and buy you anything, but uh, here goes. And so he hands Daryl these slips of paper and Daryl reads one of them. He says, this coupon entitles you to one free Tickle Monster attack. Nate says, yeah, they're Nate coupons or Nate pawns. And they're all different. Cash that one in and I will bring you a stick of gum anytime, any place. I'll find you. <laughs> i don't love the name nate pun i don't please, love that please please don't nate coupon works fine for me but yeah again such an innocent soul but daryl's appreciative <laughs> <laughs> some deleted scenes you want to start us off here 
Sure. Uh, Dwight is celebrating the promotion with the the violent arm movements in Andy's office. <laughs> and Andy says, I guess your trip to the Sunshine State paid off because Robert asked for you personally. Dwight says, well, my passion for the pyramid is well known in the industry. But tell me, was I on a short list of some kind or did he just pick me out right? No, no you know, forget it. Don't even want to know. Okay. I need to assemble a team. Who do I take? You, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Willis Puchner, head of Asian distribution. He's sharp. Robert, I'd love to get a Murdoch, not a Lachlan. Liz, maybe? <laughs> and if you're wondering who those people are, they do not work at the office. No. <laughs> Andy, Andy interrupts and says, you know what? Focus on people in the office for now. Pick some names. I'll pick some names. We'll regroup later. And Dwight says, thank you, equal. And th- that's what we were referencing earlier when we said Dwight considers himself an equal. Uh, no, you're not an equal. This is a, an opportunity is what this is. Yeah, Lachlan Murdoch is a, is a co-chair of 21st Century Fox. His sister Liz is also an heir to a media conglomerate. I mean, these are uh, not equals to Dwight in any way. <laughs> these no. people are probably multimillionaires. Talking head with Dwight, he says, I'm making a list and checking it twice. Santa, Schindler, Schrute. I can hold my list. Or, I can hold my own with the top list makers. <laughs> That's a, a weird uh, comparison. <laughs> some of these lists are good. Some of these lists are bad. <laughs> Uh, Pam and Aaron are making Valentine's decorations and Aaron has adorned a Cupid cutout with a handgun. <laughs> Pam politely, very politely points out, oh, Cupid actually uses a bow and arrow, Aaron, not a gun. Aaron says, no, this isn't Cupid. This is baby Jesus. Pam says, oh, well, um, maybe we should just stick to more pink and red hearts. Aaron says, oh, Pam, if you're not in a relationship, Valentine's Day isn't really pink hearts. It's not even red. It's like gray or dark brown or blue what's the color of want <laughs> and stanley speaks up and says burgundy <laughs> oh okay and then kathy speaks up and says oh are you making more valentine's decorations i guess i didn't make enough i kind of throw shade a little bit there she says well do you want some help i'm pretty crafty and kelly is standing in the background behind pam and says don't let her help oh okay <laughs> i don't know what the, the antagonism is here but Kathy then has a talking head. Uh, I think last time we had a talking head from Kathy in a deleted scene, I said, it's the only one left in the show. I mean, it's the only one in the show, but uh, here's another one in the deleted scenes. She says, well, Pam's back, so I'm out of a job. Funny thing is, if I had just married Doug, I wouldn't be having this problem. But I'm not attracted to Doug. Hey, could you remind me next time I forget, Kathy, you were not happy with Doug. So <laughs> I don't know curious. what's going on with <laughs> Kathy. Apparently there was a situation with this Doug person and maybe... Her want for Jim is sort of like a rebound kind of situation, or I don't know, but it's it's strange. Andy defends his Florida team. He says, this is an amazing group. Daryl, Phyllis, for obvious reasons. Kelly, Kathy, less obvious reasons, but they've <laughs> both been known to get some work done and, and complete some tasks. Kevin, he can touch his nose with his tongue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Accomplishments. Yes. And then when, when Dwight tries to compromise his new list where he just asks for his original team back. Andy refuses, and Dwight decides on a way to defeat him. Dwight has a talking head. He says, Andy's greatest weakness is that he actually cares about these silly people. He's like Superman. What a fool. (laughs) Yeah, Superman winning in every movie. What a fool. Yeah, (laughs) fool. Ryan and Kelly are waiting outside of Andy's office to meet with him and Dwight. And Ryan has, has his headphones in, and Andy comes out and says, Hey, Ryan, are you ready? Ryan says, like spaghetti. And he's like, 
what's wrong with me? <laughs> Ready, like spaghetti. Yeah. <sighs> Ryan was never so cutesy. He's losing his, his cool points. <laughs> Phyllis leaves her presentation and Oscar asks how it went. She says she's not sure. She started getting political out of nowhere. And then we see Stanley enter Andy's office in his little pink and white Florida outfit. Phyllis asks him where Crockett is. And he says, I am Crockett. This is a detective on burn notice. So he's, mm. he's dressed up in, uh, in costume to go to Florida. That makes sense. I didn't know that. In Andy's office, Stanley has, has changed his story. And in the episode, we saw like cheery Florida Stanley. But here he's, he's sobered up and he says, my boy lives in Tallahassee. We haven't spoken in a while but this might be what I need to get my family back together. And Dwight's just shaking his head at the camera in the background. And Andy's like, uh, don't know how to respond to this. Just sort of making a face like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Creed talking head, which is always wonderful. He says, Florida is 13th in education, 13th in tourism, 13th in cleanliness. It's the worst state in the union. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't know where he is in his timeline, but okay. <laughs> 13 out of 50, uh, worst. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight is in the conference room with his committee and he hands them indemnity forms and he says, uh, you sign this and you won't be able to sue the company or you won't be able to sue me if any parts of you or you don't return from Florida. <laughs> and he says it also contains a list of vaccines you're going to need to get to try and sort of scare him off. Typhoid, malaria rubella, all forms of plague, HPV. Kathy says, I already have that one. He's like, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and Jim says, what if you're only a dormant carrier of the plague? And he cuts to a talking head. <clears throat> I'm getting a weird feeling that Dwight doesn't even want us on this trip. Hmm. No, I'm probably just being paranoid. Oh, you had it right. So discussion topic. When the group is first announced, why did Dwight intentionally turn the office against Andy when Andy picked the Florida group? Doesn't Dwight value this opportunity? And isn't he trying to be on, yes, Robert's good side, but also Andy's good side? And yes, I know he's trying to just get the people he wants on this trip, but isn't pissing Andy off maybe not the way to do that? Yeah, I think that Dwight is trying to take the best uh, out of this opportunity and that involves getting the best people in his mind and he's not going to be able to do his best job with the people that Andy is assigned to him and so I think he views Andy as sort of weak or easy to manipulate and he sort of reads him correctly I mean it, it does work out at least more in his favor than it does initially and so I, I think that's that's it uh, yeah he he doesn't want to necessarily piss off Andy but his goal is more to impress Robert at this moment. So it, so it sort of takes priority and he, he makes some sacrifices. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much what I was thinking too. Just curious as to what you said. Before we close up, we do have a few voicemails to listen to and respond to. The first up is from Robert. Hey, Tana Katie, my name is Robert. Quick question about the trivia episode. When Robert California is trying to give Dwight that medal, if you go back to when Dwight and Gabe are at Gabe's desk, if you look on the wall behind Gabe, in, in like a shadow box, is that same exact medal. So do you think that this is just something that Robert California does when he's trying to get someone off of his back? It's like, oh, here's this medal that has all this meaning. Here you go. 
but really he just has a bunch to try to get people off of his, you know, off of his back. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you. So this was a really good catch. I did go back to the episode to see what Robert was talking about. Uh, behind Gabe's desk, there is like a little display box that does have a metal that if it is not the exact same as the one Robert tries to hand to Dwight, it is pretty darn similar. And so the question is, do you think that Robert just like orders these in bulk in order to hand them to people to sort of manipulate them into getting what he wants and not necessarily what they want? So like the scenario in my mind would be Gabe wanted a promotion of some sort and Robert pulls the same stunt on Gabe that he tried to pull on Dwight with the, this is something that a man gives another man, blah, blah, blah. And and Gabe actually fell for it and accepted it and was happy with not taking a promotion if he got this medal instead. So what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because Gabe framed it and put it behind his desk tells me that it's probably something that Robert gave to him. Mm -hmm. That is an incredible catch, Robert. And uh, I had never noticed that. And I think it's very likely. I think you're onto something. Yeah, if everybody wants to catch it, it's when uh, Gabe is interviewing Dwight. You can sort of see it just over Gabe's shoulder uh, when the camera's on him. So uh, really good catch. I don't know if I've seen that anywhere else before. So thank you. Uh, Next voicemail comes from Amber. Just another question. Here is her voicemail. Hi, Chad and Katie. Um, My name is Amber, and I have a question about trivia. So back in Incentive... um, Robert challenged Andy to double sales and he thought that they would do it that quarter. And so he gave him that ridiculous incentive and he was mad because they did it in one day. So why in trivia day are they still short of reaching that goal when they reached it the first day they set it? Something I've just always wondered. So hope you can help me out. And I love the show. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Amber, thank you for the voicemail, but this one I think has an easy answer as well. Robert was asking for an increase from the 4% that they had in way back in the incentive to 8% that he's wanting by the end of the quarter. And in the incentive, Andy talking about them hitting the goal in the first day, that was the incentive goal for the butt tattoo that he was referring to, the, the points, not the actual sales numbers. Uh, at least that's the way I interpret it. Do you have any other interpretation, Katie? I I think I'm with you. Okay, so the points that that Andy wanted them to get, I think that was just an incentive for productivity, right? Right. Not for actual sales numbers, unless I misunderstood. Robert's was to double the four to eight percent sales increase for that quarter. Right. Yeah. The the point total. Uh, for the butt tattoo wasn't necessarily the end total for the sales increase. I think it was just, he he saw it as an unreachable number, but then everybody pulled their points together. So uh, I think that's the answer there. If that doesn't make sense, let me know, Amber. Uh, But we appreciate the question and hopefully that is a satisfactory answer. And then we have one more voicemail from Corey in Oregon. Let's listen. Hey, John Katie, this is Corey in Oregon. Um, there's an episode, I forget which one it is, uh, but in season eight where um, Andy and Robert are talking about uh, Robert's favorite ice cream, and uh, Robert says that Andy will never guess in a million, billion years. Uh, so I was wondering what you both think that Robert California's favorite ice cream is. All right, thanks. 
Okay, Katie, any thoughts? <laughs> What's Robert's favorite ice cream? I feel like he went on some trip and ate at some, you know, boutique shop and they had his crazy flavor of ice cream that only exists there. And I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like he probably had some flavor of ice cream that like only existed in one place and it was just the best. Like for instance, the best ice cream in my recent memory I had in high school and it was lavender graham cracker flavored, mm. which sounds insane and no one would ever guess that, but it was really good. So I feel like it's something like that. Not that ice cream, but of of the standard flavors, I would say, what what did Andy guess? He guessed. Uh, I think he said, didn't he just like go with vanilla or something? Yeah, yeah. I would guess. I mean, it's it's super guessable, but I would guess coffee or something or pistachio, something like that. But it's not. I mean, that that's guessable. So I I really don't know. I I agree that it's probably just like a one off flavor that one particular place makes what those flavors might be i, I want to say the flavor fudge ripple comes to mind just because i think mm. it would be fun to hear james spader say fudge ripple like he's got that particular way of speaking right uh i i, I don't know this is a hard question to I, I like i could guess something really really specific but it sort of gives away something that we see later this season so i'm not going to guess it i think fans of the show will know what i'm talking about <laughs> Uh, I miss original or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's a subtle hint to what I'm talking about. So uh, it's an interesting question, Corey. I, I wish we had better guesses, but uh, it's fun to consider at least. That's it. That's all of our voicemails for this week. We'll give more information on that as we close. But for now, that is the end of the official 89th episode of An American Workplace. Uh, contact for the show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash workplace pod and at workplace pod on Twitter. Please go over to Apple Podcasts. Consider giving us a rating and a review. Even hit that subscribe button. It's a really great way to help increase visibility for the show and hopefully send us up the charts a little bit so people can find those office podcasts that they so crave. <laughs> uh, you can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. And if you would like to leave a voicemail for us, you can call us at 93-PRETS-DAY. That is 937-738-9329. And if you would like to add your own funny moments, uh, we went a little bit long with our funny moments today just because, I mean, we, we want to list all the good stuff. But there's a couple of things I'm sure we didn't mention. If we didn't mention your favorite funny moment, make sure to mention it. Or if you have questions like any of the callers from today had, we would love to hear those as well. We're not necessarily the the absolute expert references but we we do like to add in our opinions if you are curious to hear them so leave a voicemail be specific try and keep it under a minute and we would love to feature you on the show make sure you leave your name uh so that we can thank you by name you can find me on twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white and the best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where other podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 89 of An American Workplace. 
Make sure to join us in episode 90 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season eight, Tallahassee and After Hours. Bye. He's not trying to pull a fast one on him or anything like that. So, oh my goodness, I just activated Siri somehow. Uh, <laughs> ignore that. Uh, She's serious. It seems like she does not want to come back. I also you- activated my Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to join us in episode 90 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season nine, Tallahassee and After Hours. Bye. Season eight. <laughs> oh no! And, uh, make and sure I to join also us. For- <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's okay.